Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Tech Editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. Kara, I don't think I've ever heard you be so excited. Do you like that? You just said Vox, Vox Media, Media Podcast, Podcast Network. Network. Jim Bankoff is in D.C. Come where on I down. am, and he's standing above me making me do this. So anyway, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> So send us your questions. It could be anything like, is Larry Page's electric seaplane the future of transport? Or will Amazon spy on me with its new Echo Look wardrobe camera? Yes. Or when will Kara get a Peloton bike so Casey Newton can use it? We go to SoulCycle together. That's what we do. Because we're like, we like to hang. You know what I mean? We like to be part of the SoulCycle support I think Casey wants a Peloton system. bike after reading my article from earlier uh, this week. <laughs> All right, we'll see about that. Anyway, so send us your questions. We do read them all. Find us on Twitter and tweet them to us at at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. And we also have an email address. It's Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. And a friendly reminder, Embarrassed has two R's and two S's. And while you're at it, you have a listen to our previous episodes too, which you can find on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. So Kara, I was thinking for this week, maybe we should rebrand this The Mike and Farhad Show. Oh, that's a great idea. That's That's not taken yet. Right? No, I don't know. It's I've heard it's a podcast, but I heard it's super annoying. But, you know, I don't know. But people probably find us yeah. annoying. I don't know. But I just thought, I don't know, mix it up a little bit. There aren't yeah. enough guys in tech. So what do we do about that? Who, who do we bring in here? Well, what if we just brought one of them on our show? <laughs> Maybe Mike? Maybe, you know, Farhan oh, lives, I think, not too far from me. No. I, ex- I think we're like kind of neighbors in the same town. But I think like when we're both working from home, we probably both just like are introverts who are scared to go out of our homes. No, you're in Silicon Valley, which is uh, miles, uh, if not a whole universe away from me in San Francisco. Absolutely. I live in San Francisco. So, Mike, welcome to the show. This is Mike Isaac. Farhad. Uh, it's anyway. not Farhad. We left Farhad at home. <laughs> yeah, you got the better um, one. And we got the better one. We're never going to invite Farhad to this thing. Just don't be clear on that one. And in any case, we're having Mike Isaac of the New York Times, previously of Recode, where That's he right. was made a star. Mike, did you miss us? Did I do miss, miss me, you. Really? I'm, I'm very glad to be back with you and, and do some radio journalism. This is radio fun. journalism. Yeah. And on a topic that you know best. But did you? how badly did you miss it, me? Just exactly. I <laughs> I, I'm going to, on a scale of one to 10, you're probably 15. I miss you. Oh, your, fantastic. Your I mean, fantastic. Mike, what about me? Uh, you can just say yes. No, I, lo- I love Lauren. I miss you so much, too. But even, you good. know, I'm going to go down south and we'll have dinner someday. That we're sounds good. But anyway, we're here um, to talk about uh, Mike, who just joined the New York Times, which has a print publication, which you young people might or might not have heard of. Uh, but they also have online. You can read his stories online. And the latest one, he and, he and also I have been writing a lot about Uber, but Mike had a really blockbuster story uh, oh, this week you. about Uber. Uh, there's been so many all around, and there's been some really great journalism in general. Yeah. But why don't we start talking about the latest of what you wrote about this week? We've obviously, let me just preface people, everyone, we've been writing about the sexual harassment issues, the sexism issues, their lawsuit with with Google, uh, with Alphabet's Waymo, behavioral problems, regulatory problems, and now this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mike, explain what has happened. Yeah, so uh, I will preface this with the uh, Kara. Your reporting is making me sweat this whole time, so I have to like step up my game, which I think is probably good for all of us, right? To do mm-hmm. a lot better reporting. But um, so my uh, goal in going into this piece was to write a profile of Travis Kalanick, the CEO of Uber, and the conceit going into it, or at least after I started doing some original reporting, is is um, 
this company is kind of modeled in the image of this man who, you know, for the past 40 or so years has been really uh, it driven at, at most everything he does, you know, whether that's, um, uh, you know, st doing startups and sort of doing some creative math with the finances there or uh, playing, competing against friends or uh, family and, and other people's family in video games or uh, or in, in the case of Uber, you know, breaking or sort of flouting regulations and laws and, and then in, in uh, Apple's uh, App Store uh, regulations or whatever you want to call it, the, the word of Apple and their law of the land. And so, um, uh, you know, I spent the past three months reporting this out and we we did this big, uh, it's, it's hard to get 4,000 words into print. I had to really lobby for every last word and that's a mm -hmm. new thing for me too. But uh, we finally got it out this week and uh, it's been good. It's been pretty good, you know, kind of crazy. So there was some controversy, not just because it's Uber and everything that's been going on, but there was this question around how the company was fingerprinting iPhones. Just mm -hmm. tell people what that means. Yeah, sure. So uh, the lead of the story starts with this anecdote where Travis Kalanick is called down to Apple's headquarters in 2015. And uh, he goes in a room with Tim Cook, and there's some other people in there, too. And, and essentially, you know, um, uh, Travis is nervous leading up to it. So Tim, uh, in his, uh, you know, calm Southern manner says, you know, we're bre you're breaking some of our rules. And, and what Uber had been doing is this technique, like you said, called fingerprinting. So it's a it's a technical term for essentially identifying iPhones. Uh, and, and a number of companies have done this over the years in order to sort of uh, keep tabs on which ones uh, it's it's a it's a it's a way to identify iPhones if you've like sort of uninstalled the app and then reinstalled it at a later date. Uh, this is against Apple's rules because of um, the privacy concerns. Essentially, the idea that Apple is if you want to delete your iPhone and delete, wipe your device completely, you shouldn't have any trace of your, uh, of your identity or, or at least like uh, uh, a way to continue remembering what phone that is. And this company should not be able to sort of keep track of that over time. There were some quibbles initially with how we worded that, and we can get into that too. But I, but I, the Uber's issue was they had very massive uh, wide-scale fraud on their platform in a number of places, including China, where they spent billions of dollars trying to get the service off the ground. And so the idea was fingerprinting would be a way to uh, recognize which devices were, you know, brought on the platform, uh, started doing fraud at a massive scale, and then once Uber caught on, these fraudsters would uh, wipe the phone and try to get on there again. But with a fingerprinted iPhone, the, um, Uber would be able to kind of make some uh, distinctions as to, okay, this is probably a fraudster. We can continue blocking them. It was a big game of cat so, and mouse. So it was so it's, it was done for a good reason. They were trying to do it for a good reason, yep. which was fraud, especially in China, correct? Yep. It's largely in China. That's right. Um, and so they were trying to do something that would protect them and I guess protect them pretty much, not yeah. other users. Yeah, it's not um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just because it's it, there's a lot of games going on in China yeah. about overcharging and adding rides, mystery rides, and things right. like that. That's been an issue for a long time. And you can argue it's like totally that. justifiable practice, yeah. right? Yeah, right. No, absolutely. But the way they did it, as mm -hmm. usual, mm -hmm. was questionable. Right. Yeah. I mean, they you're going rules. around Apple's back, right. breaking their rules and not telling them. And Apple. Yeah, I thought that part was like really that. interesting. The idea that they 
the company once again s- sounds like it was sort of similar to what they did with the gray ball tool you wrote about where they could geofence an area and then prevent certain people from seeing things on the app and they did that right. with apple's campus is that correct yeah that's right they, i mean essentially there were a number of ways that they used uh, different builds of the app to hide things from folks in certain areas for apple um there were uh, they used geofencing to sort of uh, block uh, this is a little technical but block IP addresses and and not and sort of get around the App Store reviewers uh, in a certain way and and um, uh, Grayball was another tool that you just mentioned that I reported about previously which is a way to sort of hide cars from folks who were trying to um, uh, in some cities catch them or sort of uh, impound cars of drivers if the if the if uber wasn't legal there so i mean but like to your point uh kara like this is just how they do things it's not okay let's find a a way to make this okay and and fix our problem it's let's find um uh morally ambiguous way of getting around this issue we have and then if we get our hands slapped later on then you know we'll deal with it Right. So, but the, what's interesting about that is, I, I'm curious. One thing that wasn't answered in the story, and I sort of it sort of sat out there for me, is why didn't they? Mm-hmm. Did they ever talk to Apple about this issue and look for a solution together? Because um, I'm sure Apple has to be concerned with their phones being used fraudulently. So there, there was no mention of that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I don't. I mean, I think they they probably in that or not probably. I think in that meeting, like. Travis laid out, you know, the sort of reasoning or justification for why they were doing this. I think the 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 issue, especially for Apple, but is like they I mean, you know, there's a world in which Uber could have come to them beforehand and said, look, look, this is something we want to do, need to do in order to protect our company. And they, and they didn't do that. Um, I don't know if they ever came to a compromise or how they sort of fixed that in the future. There have been some software updates to iOS, um, the iPhone operating system that have, have fixed some of the workarounds that Uber was uh, using. Uh, so, um, and I don't know the current state of their fraud detection um, in 2017. So they, they might have found some other ways that were kosher after the fact. But I think for, for Apple, at least, like it's, you know, they didn't come to them first. And that's, a, um, that's uh, that, that was annoying, at least for Tim Cook. So when you think about that concept of what they were doing, one of the issues was how you how you guys describe it. Can you get that explain to us what happened with the wording on the story, just so when people are going yeah totally. So so the initial story had uh, the word uh, essentially tracking iPhones up at the top mm-hmm. of the story, which scares people. And so yeah, and so uh, and I will I will fully. I think people think GPS location or something like that, which this wasn't, right? That's correct. So, uh, yeah, I want to make clear this is they were not tracking your GPS location after you wiped your phone, after you deleted the app. I don't think that's, uh, to my knowledge, that's not technically possible right now, and, and a lot of folks online have said that. Now, I, I think the thing that was lost in the sort of tech sphere, and this is my, my sort of stance here, is that you know, we were writing for a broader audience in sort of lay terms, and I never used tracking users. I used the term tracking iPhones, and they were later able to figure out who was using the app or the apps and the phones for fraud when they um, reinstalled the app later on. So my sort of point was it, it was a semantic issue that folks were taking out of context. Now, that being said, um, as you both know, things sort of circulate on Twitter and in um on Facebook and around the you know blogosphere in in uh, snippets and sound bites and and so a lot of folks were screenshotting the top of the article 
which this was in the second paragraph, and and took tracking in in that particular sense to be GPS and location, and that sort of like started a cascade of okay, well, stories are just sort of taking us for granted or taking us at that particular meaning. And um, the the problem was we did have it in the story. I explained exactly what was going on and how this was not a location thing but a fingerprinting issue, but it was later on in the story for sort of narrative purposes and, and, um, and structure. And, uh, yeah, that became, I mean, it just became a problem. And, and like, our, my point, at least, or our point was, you know, it, it's a disservice to readers to to if they think it's something that it's not so we changed that and and that turned into a whole thing but we don't I mean that's a whole other thing like the times doesn't if it's not and I don't believe it was a correction but if it's not a correction we don't really have a mechanism that I'm aware of in the CMS to show that we're updating it and the public editor has gone against us for that for a while so anyway I I think it was I find it defensible some people disagree with me Uh, I think it was like a semantic issue but uh, you know, uh, I, my most important, like taking my ego and that stuff out of it, most important is that people actually know what was happening and and we tried to make it clear at the top in the, in the end. So when we're talking about this this idea of what was interesting is it did start off as a profile of Travis, but really it was about these behaviors. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the behaviors uh, and, and why they're like this. Now, I also did a profile of Travis for Vanity Fair, yeah, and I spent a lot great. of time with his family. Uh, it wasn't great, actually, but uh, <laughs> it was cut a lot. Um, but oh, no. um, I know that yeah, I know. It, it really was know great before they, before they cut it. <laughs> Editors um, are the worst. But one of the I things the that best. came through loud and clear <laughs> was his proclivity to fight. And I think I started totally. off, he had a face like a fist. You know what I mean? I know, like I he's loved always in a fi- Yeah. But what was interesting is I spent some time with his fam- his mother and father, and they're very lovely. They live up in up north of Los Angeles. And is it, is it because this company's like this because he's like this? Because that's sort of a typical thing to think about. How yeah. do you look at, because a lot of these behaviors are someone who doesn't have any kind of impulse control, it feels like. Yeah. I think, I mean, I really do believe that this uh i mean you can use the trope the writing trope as like okay uber is travis but i really honestly do believe it's in the model of travis i think people were rewarded for their sort of creative and even uh sneaky behaviors of solving problems and and uh travis i mean like look like he as you said like he's a he's a fighter and he has been a fighter for a very long time i can and i think like he's willing to sort of go just not have to dance to particular I don't know if you want to call it legal or like um, regular ways of doing things and I think the, the the other the sort of greater point of that is that that mentality or attitude is often celebrated among entrepreneurs and startups right like it's it's the idea of disruption the idea of like not necessarily adhering to norms or rules that you would normally do because that's the whole point of creating a disruptive startup. And so once you put a personality like that in a environment like that with uh, add, you know, tens of millions and ultimately billions of dollars, I think that's just encouraged over time. So you so he creates this sort of environment in in Uber where that behavior is rewarded and then, you know, you can kind of sweep under the rug uh, any sort of side effects that that might have upon the culture internally or or the other sort of satellite offices they have around the world. Well, is it side effects or really the way they are? I mean, you know, right. I mean, one of the things right. they like to do is, oh, he's such a fighter, he's such a fighter, and I'm thinking maybe he's just an asshole. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. It's, right. it's kind of a, it's an interesting thing, and of course, because the money is so high and there's so much at stake, 
it's interesting. Where do you think it comes from in him? I, you know, his history, he had a lot of failed uh, startups yeah. um, or, or bad experiences before Uber. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you discuss it in the story a bit. Yeah, totally. Well, I think the um, the really interesting thing that I found out when he was young, uh, when he was young, is this bullying thing when he was uh, uh, in middle school, essentially. You know, like the towards the end of middle school, and and you know, he wasn't necessarily like a tough kid. He was kind of wiry and got picked on for whatever. Re- I mean, it was literally just sort of like randomly targeted. And then I think something. Uh, it's my understanding, I think something like clicked in his head that he just wasn't going to take it anymore and that he had to sort of like fight back or not even fight back, but like fight first before before people sort of took advantage of him. And I think that really he carried that for some time. And um, and so uh, so imagine that in uh, the context of Scour, where uh, it was an early like sort of file sharing startup along the lines mm-hmm. of. Uh, Napster and that sort of thing. And it was so, before ima- Napster. Right, right, right. Exactly. Was before. So imagine that in that context where you're essentially um, dealing with you know copyright infringement and and uh, doing stuff that uh, ultimately got him sued for I think it was like two hundred fifty million dollars something like that before he mm-hmm. got put out of business. Uh, I, I I think it was just deeply ingrained in him that you know he has to strike first before others sort of catch on and figure that out and. Uh, you know, his parents were pretty, I mean, I don't know what you you had talked to them about early on, but his parents were very supportive and pretty mm-hmm. uh, doting on him in certain ways. And I don't think he, uh, you know, I, I think he was a lot of this, uh, a lot of, you know, just him, he was reinforced. And that can be a positive thing, but the, a lot of his behavior was sort of reinforced growing up. And so once you sort of figure out uh, that this stuff works, I think he just has yeah. a history of repeating over time. You know, Mike, do you have a sense of how Travis is reacting to all of the criticisms <laughs> that have been lobbed his way lately? I mean, I think we all know from covering Silicon Valley, you can sometimes encounter surprisingly thin-skinned entrepreneurs who, like, surprisingly, they're all you know think the tech press is going to be glowing, and then when right. they're not, they sort of react a certain way and. And like, do you have any idea like what is going on with Travis right now? Yeah, I think this is, it seems kind of delusional because I think one of the perceptions is well, uh, and this is not probably not uncommon among other founders. One of the perceptions is well, a the press is slanted against us in some way. B, uh, uh, why aren't they appreciating how awesome we are and like all these other things and and how awful some of the entrenched interests right. interests are. And and to be fair, like. Like they have really changed the nature of, of a lot of parts of transportation, and you know there were you know taxi industry was obviously very sort of like bored, uh, burrowed into to how infrastructure works, and and like they have done a lot to change that. But uh, I think these uh, a number of companies, including and especially Uber, get really upset uh, when you don't sort of recognize the gravitas of their genius and the scope oh, of how God. much they have changed. <laughs> no, 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 exa- exactly. You, and, you know, it's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, Jonas Salk wasn't going around being an asshole when he's cre- you know, solved <laughs> right. all kinds of things. Because polio. I've, I've I saw polio. I can run over people with a car. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's yeah. just, you know, it's right, interesting. Right, But I mean, but I think like, you know, everyone has, we've all been criticized, right? And there are moments when yeah. you're criticized and you get really defensive 
aggressive and you say right. like screw you i'm the best thing in the world or the best thing that's ever happened to tech right and then and then there there are introspective moments where people say okay everyone's criticizing me for this thing maybe maybe i should change and like do you get any sense there's introspection happening no that's a that's a great point i i, I think he's just well, like, let's look at the, um, if you guys remember the, the example of the car when he was uh, being videotaped in the, the driver incident and he got mm-hmm. in a fight with a driver and they got in a yelling match and, uh, and he just said some people have to mm-hmm. take responsibility for their own shit and then he got out of the car. There's a, there's a world in which you can diffuse that situation by being empathetic with the driver and saying, yeah, I know, I hear your concerns, man. I, you know, you sh- I'll give you this number. You can talk to someone. And he just doesn't seem to have that, you know? I well, mean, that's what Mike Isaac would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just too sensitive. Maybe I need to fight more. But, no. I, I mean, imagine a CEO who can, like, listen to other folks and um, meet them in the middle, or even if they just disagree. You don't have to just go to the mattresses right away and start fighting with someone. And I don't think he – I think he thinks it's a perception issue, and if people would just understand Uber in the correct light and weren't so slanted against them, then – Everything would well, be fine. Well, part of, part of the part of the pugnaciousness is, is fed by feeling that he's under siege. Like mm. I'm always being. It's, it's a little Donald Trumpian if you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's the same thing as I'm under siege. I'm the only one that's right. I shall prevail. I need mm-hmm. to fight. I need to hit first. Yep. And it's it's ridiculously juvenile from right. the president and from Travis Kalanick. And right. what's interesting is I want you to rank all the problems and go through them, which <laughs> you think is the most serious in a second. But one of the things that's that's important to understand is that one he apparently he's very upset about people leaving and everything else and someone was like oh he's quite upset Kara and I'm like I don't care <laughs> like you know I don't care that he's too bad he created this situation a lot of them are they they don't think they created the situation and then yep. they go back but so wh- what I'd love to know is you know of all these things because there's a lot of them now there's a lot of issues it's not just yeah. these issues that you brought up it's not just uh, the sex sexism and sexual harassment which is massive it's mm. also this so can you rank the issues because at some point Something has to happen. Either he's got to learn pretty quick to act like a real CEO and grow up, yep. or he's got to go. Right? Yep. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know so I can you rank you. the rank the issues and and explain okay. them very briefly for for them, and then we'll get to readers' questions. Totally. I, I think. I mean, and you can agree or disagree with this, but I think number one problem is that this this problem with HR and rewarding and like the reward system inside of Uber and company culture in that sense. So. You know, essentially, folks, the, their the whole mantra was growth at all costs, growth, 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 right? So if you're hitting your numbers, that is the metric you are um, uh, judged by as a manager or as a, a team in a city, and uh, and and that's how you move up the ladder, right? So that creates a sort of uh, culture of cutthroat, you know, you know, kill or be killed inside the company, and like that's just not sustainable, especially if you have ten, twelve thousand people. So I think they have to figure that out and mold uh, the HR operation. Uh, into Johanna did a really good piece on how messed up their HR operation is, and so like they need to. The, Leanne has to. This one, that's a new uh, head of. Uh, HR has to sort of clean that out and make it a whole lot better, and I and that's systemic, and I think that's going to be really difficult. I think um, so that's the sexism and sexual harassment, right, right, right. I, I, ferreting I people out. Personally, think that's a that's really high up there. I think um, another thing too is I would be very curious to see what their take on regulus regulation and laws is going to be now that they are a mature company you know like mm-hmm. now that regulators 
Um, in the beginning, like they, it was shock and awe, right? Um, Uber can come into these cities. Regulators have no idea how to handle this ride-hailing company, and they're way behind them in terms of technology and, and pulling these drivers over in the first place. So what does that mean if you have rewarded engineers for so long uh, to sort of find ways around laws? What does that mean when you eventually become a public company or when you're a mature company or when you're trying to convince people that you've grown up uh, outside of a massive PR push saying that you've grown up, right? So I think sort of setting those expectations around laws and regulations is going to be interesting and important. Not to, not to say that you can't lobby and fight against mm-hmm. them, which they, they definitely still will, but does that mean you're going to break the rules, uh, continue to break the rules? And then I also am very curious on spending. Like, if you remember a few weeks ago, um, they actually put their numbers out uh, in public. Mm-hmm. And I think they lost something like $2.8 billion last yeah, year. Yeah, a lot like of money. That. I mean, it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. That's they And they have this whole theory or this whole thesis that you need to kickstart a flywheel effect in order to get a city going. So you got to dump a bunch of money into a city to get that up and running. And then once it's there, demand skyrockets. And then all you have to do is worry about supply, which is your drivers. But, you know, Lyft is not going away and Lyft is a significant headache for them. They have to spend money to subsidize rides to whenever Lyft sort of goes into a new city. Lyft keeps raising money. They're fighting on other fronts. Ola in India is another annoyance for them. So I think spending is still a big issue. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what's going to happen there. And then I think lastly, and this probably should have been higher up, but like, Travis is in the midst of a COO search right now, but is that COO going to be uh, an actual number two, or is Emil Michael, the uh, SVP of business, going to continue being Travis's number two guy? Because that's he's how it's SV- been since the beginning. Yeah, he's the SVP of business and bad judgment, it seems. That seems to be his <laughs> job. Right. Well, they like um, reinforce <laughs> each other's views, right? You know, they just be fighting and be sort of nasty in a lot of ways. And, and uh, does Travis just want like a figurehead? Uh, as their COO and then and then not actually listen to them and just do his thing with Emil? Or is he actually going to listen to this new person? I have no mm-hmm. idea. A lot of people don't know either. They, they're so, not sure. so in that, the internal investigation is ongoing and both of us have been writing about it. Where mm-hmm. do you, I feel as if they don't fire someone or if there aren't significant yeah. changes, yeah. it's over for him. Yep. I, I don't know how it couldn't be. Like if, they, if he doesn't accept the fact that, including possibly Emil and others yep. uh, or Ryan Graves or whoever was in charge of the HR, yep. you know, which is Ryan, I guess. Yep. Um, if there aren't some significant departures and significant systematic changes, it's just going to be a, a lie. Yeah. Like the whole thing's going to be a lie, which I'm going to continue to point out over and over. And I hope you will. But yeah. what, do you, what do you imagine is going to happen with this investigation? Totally. I think, well, it's funny because you, I mean, you saw this email or whatever, but they actually need an extra month to deal with the investigation. So it was supposed to be at the end of April. We're, uh, we're fast approaching the end of April. So they need another month to deal with the volume of complaints. Uh, my read is that they have to have a head on a pike or something at the end of the, you have to fire at least one or two people to like show that you have, you are taking this seriously. And if they don't, I will be shocked. And like you said, near the top, you mean like, yeah, that's correct. Not, yeah, not just like some offenders down at the bottom. It's like who at the top has been, uh, responsible for this part of the org. And as you said, Kara, like. Uh, uh, Ryan Graves was the guy who was he- head of HR. Technically, f- HR fell under his purview, although I'm not fully clear what he, his job was later on. And then um, I think there's a lot of questions around Thuan Pham, who's the mm-hmm. CTO, Absolutely. Chief Technology Officer. He, there's email evidence that he 
seemed to ignore no. Susan Fowler's complaints around her manager and HR and stuff like that after they went directly to him. So, and Dwan's an interesting character because there's a lot of people inside who actually loved him, but also there are a lot of folks that think he was just a terrible manager and doing what he's doing. So I think that, I think they probably are going to have to fire some folks up at the top. I, I think those two are the ones everyone's sort of looking at. I don't know if that'll be enough, you know. I, I still think everyone outside of the company is sort of watching Travis and wondering uh, so, what's going to happen to him. So even as, as they're firing people, a lot of yeah. people have gone either because of issues that we wrote about, sexual harassment, and yeah. there's two of those, you know. They're head of uh, product and they're head of engineering. Yep. And then ooh, people who've left, uh, Jeff Jones and uh, mm. Rachel mm. Whetstone. I mean, it's very getting thin up there in the management ranks at That's Uber. Right. Yeah, I mean, you need folks that, can st- I mean, Jeff, as you as you broke the story, Jeff Jones left in a very public and embarrassing way for Uber, saying that he didn't agree with the company's values anymore, right? And or, or ever, and um, so you need folks to. You're going to need some people who are high up to say, look, the this Uber needs to change, but also I believe in this company. I believe that the leadership can change, and this is why Travis is going to change and. And I guess the, the one person that seems to be saying that is Ariana Huffington, who's the yeah, who's on their board. Yeah, I'm sure she's she's too much saying that quite a bit. Yeah, she's been out there a lot. Um, but I mean, yeah, who else? Who else can we really look to that's saying that? And and who else is going to leave? I know a lot of the staff has left. I've known a number of people who've just up and quit over certain things that um, that have come out in the press that they didn't even know about. So, uh, you know, I haven't seen really that many staunch defenders, especially up top, aside from Ariana, in the past, uh, what, the past few months. So, I don't yeah. know, they probably need a, a positive voice in there somewhere. Well, they're, they're silent, right? Silent Bill Gurley, who likes to lecture everybody else about their <laughs> culture in Silicon Valley. And then right. when it comes to his own, which of which he's complicit in, let's be clear, he's mm-hmm. been there from the beginning. Yep. So it makes him complicit, like sort of, uh, it's kind of ridiculous that there's been no statement. And they tend to use the excuse like, well, it's ongoing, it's ongoing. But honestly, it's, uh, it says I a don't lot. know, it's just, it's a picture of Silicon Valley that's quite unattractive, I think, in lots of ways. Why didn't Apple just kick Uber out of the App Store for <laughs> violating the terms? Would it have done so with a smaller, lesser-known app? So, so that's a great question. I think Tim Cook has actually put in a weird, difficult situation here because, you know, as you know, like Apple is all about user experience and user delight, and, and they want people to use things on their uh, – they embrace apps that people find indispensable on the iPhone, right? So whenever they think something is a real cool use of the iPhone, they'll showcase that in, in a keynote presentation or something like that. So that's the problem. Uber, by 2015, early 2015, was starting to become like almost indispensable in a lot of different markets and surely very popular in a number of markets, especially San Francisco, New York, a lot of big cities. So you risk the problem of – Booting an app, an incredibly popular app from the App Store, essentially ta- tanking the business of this company and pissing off a bunch of your your iPhone users uh, and forcing them to go to another app, Lyft, that may not have been or that has was not as popular or giving Uber special treatment. And, uh, you know, the room did not have a lot of people in it. And I imagine they didn't think that this would get out eventually. But um, mm-hmm. uh, so that's maybe part of why you could justify, well, we're going to give mm-hmm. him a dressing down here and this hopefully will work. But, uh, you know, I don't envy Tim Cook if, the, if your choices are, you know, give Uber special treatment or potentially tick off a lot of your customer base. So I think that's why he mm. didn't do it. But I also think you know what that, he should have done. He should have just 
they should have made it public. This is what they did and mm. what, this is what we're doing and embarrassed them publicly. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been good. The <laughs> yeah. old guys teach the most well, they youngish did it. And guy. so Mike got it. <laughs> Yeah, Good I job, Mike. No, but I'm saying it's really, it's just, oh, the fix is so in in Silicon Valley these days. Anyway, uh, Mike, we're going to answer questions about Uber from our readers and listeners shortly. Uh, cool. But first, we're going to take a quick break that you can hear us talking about our sponsors. I know you'll really enjoy this. And we have to say, Lauren, what's the word we say now? Kaching. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> we're going to start a ride sharing service called okay. Kaching. Yeah, we won't make you say Kaching, Mike, because, you know, the New York Times has standards. I can't say anyway, anything. Anyway, don't say a word. Don't say a word. <laughs> Don't say anything. Just be silently appalled by us. All right. Um, this episode has been brought to you by Willis Towers Watson. Executives, you need to listen to this. Cybersecurity is one of the greatest threats any business faces. Last year, more than 400 million new malware threats were released. More than a half a billion personal records were breached. And while businesses spend $100 billion a year on cyber technology, cybersecurity is as much about employee behaviors as it is about technology. The average network breach can cost $4 million in company losses. That's why you need to know about Willis Towers Watson. Willis Towers Watson understands that the only comprehensive approach to cybersecurity is to deal with it all, your people, capital, and technology risks. Willis Towers Watson decodes all of that complexity through a comprehensive three-stage approach. First, they thoroughly assess the cyber risks throughout your business. Next, they protect your company through their best-in-class solutions. And finally, they improve their ability to recover from future attacks. Learn more about what Willis Towers Watson can do for your business. Go to willistowerswatson.com slash recode. That's willistowerswatson.com slash recode. And now, Lauren, your ka moment, please. Today's show is also brought to you by HostGator. If you're ready to take your website to the next level, whether you're a first-time blogger or an experienced web pro like Mike Isaac, mm-hmm. HostGator has all the tools you need to create a great-looking website or even an online store. And if you ever need a boost in hosting power, HostGator has cloud, VPS, and dedicated server hosting that can easily handle maximum visitor traffic. So see what HostGator can do for your website. Right now, Recode listeners get 60% off. So if you go to HostGator.com Recode, uh, that's hostgator.com slash recode. You can get 60% off. All right. Well done, Lauren. Well done. You've very got nice. a career in average. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know how it works. Every week we take tech questions from our readers and listeners, and we try to answer everything we can. This week we're answering your questions about Uber and its CEO, Travis Kalanick. And the person who's answering it is an excellent reporter named Mike Isaac from the New York Times. Lauren, ask the first question, please. First question, uh, we got a couple of emailed question from a listener named Cynthia. First one, why does the board continue to tolerate the ethical lapses of leadership? Are they concerned that they too will be tainted as unethical? And the second question is, how can I trust Uber with my safety if I can't trust them to be ethical? Which is, I think, a lot of, a lot of our A lot of ethical issues, Mike. want to know yeah. about that. Uh, That's a good point. Talk about the board first. Why do you think they've, you know, what's going on there? Well, I think there's a few problems issues here one as you know like the board is essentially kind of stacked in travis's favor at this point yeah, he explain has, that mike explain yeah sure so so there's i believe seven or eight board members i can't exactly recall mm-hmm. with actual voting power and there's uh i mean essentially travis is on the board there's another other a number of other folks ryan graves gary camp bill Gurley, david bonderman uh, Ariana, Ariana Huffington. So there are there are enough people on the board who, and the board would have to re- vote to remove Travis as CEO. So there are enough people on the board in Travis's camp that he has the advantage that he do, he doesn't have to worry about that, and he's clearly has no interest in removing himself from the board. So so to 
So the problem is like, you know, if you say he's accountable to the board and he controls the board, he's accountable to no one but himself. And I don't right. I don't see that change. I mean, outside of some serious, um, serious accusations against Travis, which I have not found uh, anything, you know, uh, that damning uh, in my reporting. I don't see them uh, giving up on him or I don't see them voting him out. Yeah, and especially because Garrett Camp. Let's be clear, Garrett Camp is one of the was the creator of Uber. Really, right. it's his idea that right. Uber started. He's an entrepreneur. He's a good friend of Travis's. He's apparently, from what I've understood in this whole thing, quite belligerent about Uber being victimized here. <laughs> I've heard mm-hmm. like lots of stories about that. Um, so you've got him. You've got Ryan, who is should probably not be voting on this because he's the one ran the division that has the problem. Right. Uh, who's behind Travis? You've got Ariana, who's been a cheerleader of Travis's. You've got. Yeah. Silent Bill Gurley. Yep. And David Bonderman's probably like, oh, for <laughs> what have I gotten myself? Jesus into? <laughs> Christ. Like this is a very famous uh investment uh guy who's mm-hmm. who's quite a bit older and has had, had a long career and is quite wealthy. I think he's probably like, ah. Um and obviously Google's no longer on the board, uh, right. uh which was interesting. So there's whole not a whole lot and they're looking for board members, new board members, hmm. but it's really stacked in his favor. So yes, this is an unethical board. Yeah, Here's right. Swisher for Uber's board. Yeah, oh I'm going to be on the board. I'm <laughs> the, the new board members. That would be great. Yeah. What about the safety issue? Just because there's unethical practices on this board, does it go out to safety of users? And that's yeah. been an issue in the past. So in the early days, Uber had a system called Godview, which could essentially tell internal Uber employees where where cars were at any different time. So uh, there was once an occasion where an, a GM in New York was meeting with Johanna, and on her way there, he looked up where her car was to track her, and then, and that was location tracking. And he uh, just sort of said, hey, I know exactly where you were when you're on your way here. And, and Johanna was disconcerted by that and then realized mm-hmm. what is keeping anyone else in the company from doing that. Um, that blew up, and, and um, they had an investigation into that. And then um, I think as Senator Al Franken actually called him out on that, and, and they did a whole audit, and... Uh, so the system, which is now called Heaven uh, instead of Godview, because Uber is excellent in making things creepier than they actually need to be <laughs> internally, uh, uh, now now access to Heaven is restricted internally to only employees who would require using it for their jobs. You can't, uh, or so they many say. Many of whom don't deserve to be in Heaven. My, right. Many of them. <laughs> right, right. That's right. But so they say. <laughs> they're they're not necessarily all allowed to to see it now. That said, the question of, well, how do we trust Uber to sort of adhere to that? My best guess here is the last thing they need is an, an FTC investigation into privacy practices and having something like that blow up in their face. So if something got out where uh, they continued to be cavalier with user privacy and, and um, say, tracking or, or things right. around the God view, that would be a large annoyance if not you know bigger than now that said you know under the trump administration you know who knows how much tooth these folks are going after any of these companies what about user safety with drivers and stuff how has that been addressed so yeah and then if you recall this hasn't really been in the news for a while but if you recall they they've had some issues with driver sexual assaults uh against passengers and um or just basic assaults too right right or yeah literally physical assaults and and uh, early on, a few years ago, they said they were going, they were looking into, you know, camera technology in the car or some some more sophisticated ways of sort of tracking 
uh, <laughs> again, that word, uh, but, uh, but, uh, sort of keeping tabs on the, you know, what is going on inside of the car. And to be fair to Uber, you know, if you imagine the technology around say taxis and limousine services, you know, it's behind that of what Uber has done so far. Uber can actually, if they need to go back and get hand information over the police, they can, they can give that to them. Uh, and you know who knows where they are in the progress of actually keeping their users. Well, safe. That's something we need to look into. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. Now that you bring it up, but because uh, yeah. it, it hasn't been touched on in two or three years. Uh, yeah, so I mean, mm-hmm. they say they're doing stuff, but who knows where that is? They probably are also putting out a zillion fires right now, anyway. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. Next question. Yeah. Sure. Next question is from Michael Vasile, uh, who or Vasile, who asks, should Uber be trusted to conduct an honest internal investigation into the sexual harassment allegations? Yeah. A lot of trust questions here. <laughs> well, Mike? Yeah. I, mean, I know. Well, I just answer. imagine at Uber's next offsite, it's just going to be a series of thousands of employees doing trust falls with each other. <laughs> yeah. So well, can they do this? A lot of people question the independence of this investigation and justifiably. Yeah, Mike, they should be thought. questioning yeah. it. I mean... Look, they say they have an independent board committee uh, sort of handling the C- the COO search is, is one part of that, right? But that's like Bill Gurley, that's Ariana, and that's Bonderman. So that's mm-hmm. obviously already compromised. And then Eric Holder, former U.S. Attorney General and his uh, firm, are have been tapped to do this sort of long internal audit over the past few months and, you know... Folks immediately and rightly pointed out that he's been on retainer for the company in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have paid yeah. him to do work for them uh, right. multiple times in the past, and then that came out, and then uh, Holder was like, "Of course, I'm going to do my best," and blah blah blah. But like that's just there's conflict, inherent conflict baked into it from the very beginning. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so I mean. They can swear up and down all day that they're doing a big independent thing, and that's fine, and and whether you believe that or not. I mean, it's just – it seems like a conflict right off the bat, and why not just go to another outside firm to actually – And that wasn't helped when Ariana said, you know, everything will be fine with Travis. Um, Remember, you know, CNN interview, she she did. She said – you know, someone asked, do you think he'll be fired? And she goes, no, absolutely not. Like, before an investigation's over. Like, who, you know, it was interesting. Like, no, absolutely <laughs> You've not. already come and to your I, conclusion. Yeah, and I called her and I said, hey, mm-hmm. the investigation's sort of just beginning. How do you know it's not going to find out he's, like, you know, hurt or something that's worse? That's not it, something yeah. worse. Something, yeah, I, right. I, I said something not, I can't repeat right now. <laughs> like, what if he did this? Right. And she was like, oh, no, he didn't do that. I'm like, no, that's my point. Wow. Like, you don't know. Exactly. Like, and, and how could you say this? And we had an argument about it. And I said, mm. you, you should not be saying this is done before it's done. Like, it makes everyone think this is crap. This yeah. is bullshit. Like, you know, and I, I think it'll be what's what's in. Yeah, sham. Exactly. Yeah. I, I say bullshit, but sham is a nicer word, Mike. Um, but I the think times, it's a question. The Times doesn't like what I curse. Times. They've taught you. Damn it, Mike. It's Damn. fucking awful. Dang. Oh, there you go. There you did. Thank you. You're back to recode standards. Um, so, uh, but I'm anyway. glad that we accomplished both Kara's yes, Ariana voice and Mike dropping an expletive in this yes, the show. I was waiting for this Good. the whole time. Good. And we're like 45 minutes in. And yeah. we okay. got to. And so we're there. You. He's back, Lauren. He's back. Anyway, it's just, we'll see. We'll see what the investigation holds. If it's if it's a white wash investigation it'll that'll just be it'll be pretty obvious you know yeah we'll see all right next question is an email from brian hines uh what do you think 
was Travis's real lesson after, learned after his meeting with Tim Cook, hmm. that he better not break Apple's rules again, or since he didn't face any consequences, once again, that Uber was already too big for Apple to throw under their store. And he adds, recode rocks, which is completely true. <laughs> which is very so true. what do you think about that? I mean, that's right. He didn't, he didn't, there were no, were there consequences? Were there, is that, is, no, I what mean, did he learn from it? What did I, he learn from it? Yeah, I, it was funny. Uh, so I talked to folks that saw him, you know, throughout the, before, during, and after the meeting, and uh, you know, he was sweating. He was nervous when he was going to the meeting that day. And, and you know, you get a call from Tim Cook, who's about to tell you off. Uh, I think you would anyone would start being nervous. But, you know, he left. He didn't. His business was fine. He didn't get kicked out of the app store. And he, uh, you know, after he left, uh, he spoke to someone and sort of had a sense of, I don't know, you know, is it bravado? Like, huh, huh, I faced off against Tim Cook and I lived to fight another day and, you know, go me or whatever. So, like, I mean, the guy hasn't really gotten a cup up in, in a lot of his career, right? I mean, you know, he he had a few failed startups. They're sort of middling startups. But, you know, all of his behavior has essentially been rewarded at Uber. You know, he keeps getting massive amounts of investment and, and increasing valuations and, and – uh, the line now is that this crazy backlash, PR backlash, has um, humbled him and sort of made him wake up. And people mm. sort of, some people swear by that. Others are like, "There's no, there's no way. This is just sort of a put on." I honest, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say either way for sure. But, um, but I don't think. I mean, you know, I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's really learned the ex- at least at that point. You know when when he had the meeting with Cook, I don't think he learned, okay, well, I behaved badly and I needed to change my ways. It's, it's, I behaved quote unquote badly and I got away with it and Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the problem. Yeah. All right. Next question, Mm -hmm. Lauren. Next question is from Jack Gold. Is a win at any cost rules are for other companies culture what made Uber? And now that it's caught, will it be its downfall? Hashtag, this is a great hashtag. Hashtag extreme arrogance. (laughs) Well, like this is the sort of argument that Uber makes at this point is that a lot of this behavior worked for, I mean, Uber even says this, worked for a growing company before it was the size it was. And um, you could argue that's a good thing because it got Uber off the ground and they needed to do a lot of fighting and changing and, and you know, quote unquote winning in the in the early days. But now that they are uh, mature and big and have to, you know, actually have processes in place, uh, then you need to change. And that's their sort of line. And I, I mean, I don't know, you know, whether you believe it or not, I think a lot of folks, the other interesting thing too, is a lot of folks that I was talking to throughout reporting this, and I'm sure Carrie, you've heard this too, is, is, um, they just believe that Travis was the right CEO this whole time and that this company would not necessarily have been created the same way without him in the lead i don't know um yeah i mean i, that's, I think that's yeah. like a, another silicon valley I mean, justifiable bill gates was super yes now in hindsight you know what i mean there's plenty mm. of companies where uh, you know bill, bill gates was a very aggressive ceo and you know it ultimately got them to the monopoly mm. thing but which he, we could arguably say was the downfall of microsoft now obviously it's not just it's a big company it's still doing well right but it's not what it could have been right. because of their extreme aggression and right. extreme arrogance right so you well know, a lot of folks that you know, seem to justify or and again, like like you said, like hindsight, like well, look, we needed to get there. We needed to do this stuff. He needed to do this stuff in order to get to where they are. Whether you think that's bullshit or not, you know, I don't know. 
But, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know if they, I, the other thing too is like, I, I'm skeptical as far as the word downfall, just because mm-hmm. they have said, I mean, they've said like people aren't boycotting Uber in mass, you know, they yeah. had, they had some, they had a significant, I mean, they had a number of app deletions after a few controversies of theirs, but you know, 500,000 people deleting the app or deleting their accounts is nothing compared to the, you know, tens of millions that use it around the world and, yeah. and still use it. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are yeah. like, well, I deleted it, but I reinstalled it. They yeah. Johanna pointed that out on one yeah. of our earlier shows too, yeah. that even though I think the number 200,000 deletions was released possibly by Buzzfeed, um, you know, early on in sort of the controversy and then, but Johanna was like, yeah, I mean, they also gain that many customers easily right. in right. any given time period. So, right. you know, as much as you'd like to think of, like, people working in mass to have some sort of uh, impact on what might be going on, doesn't seem to be the case here with the but deletions. Th- their big issues are whether they can make money. This bi- Losing yeah. billions is an issue. And then the, the lawsuit. I think the lawsuit mm-hmm. is quite severe. Oh, yeah, it's the Waymo thing. It's a very totally. serious issue. Totally. Um, that sits there. It, it also shows a lack of management capability, you know, that this yeah. happened. Yep. And also it's the same problems like uh, that Anthony, did they know? Did they not know? It seems a little mm. sketchy. It's always sketchy. As I joked on CNBC recently, um, you know, if Travis saved a cat out of a tree, they'd say it was animal abuse, but it might have been. You know, it might have been. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, another couple of questions, yeah. uh, oh. similar questions. Yeah, let's get to the next uh, question. Yeah. So Richard Anderson sent in a question asking, why hasn't the board kicked Travis's ass out of the company? Uh, right. Thanks, Richard, for your question. We already answered that a little bit earlier. Another question from Ehab. Uh, he's at Ehab, or she is at, at Ehab. 563 UTD, et cetera, et cetera, on Twitter. Since all this controversy has happened and he hasn't stepped down, what do you think it would take for him to do so? I mean, I I just, I think, as I said before, it'd have to be something really severe, you know, criminal probably or something. And even, even even for Uber, criminal means a certain level of severity because they've arguably done some other things that have been against the law or at least up, up to the brink of the law. So it would just have to be something really bad and something that's you know hard to really justify uh uh defending i don't don't know what that'd be and i don't i don't feel comfortable saying it has to be this or that just because it's not right to accuse someone of something like that but uh yeah it's got to be it's got to be pretty bad so would you think there will or not 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 unless they uncover something rather severe correct yeah i think it's just it has to be again like something pretty severe against the law something like that you know i don't think the guy would embezzle so he hasn't sold any shares since uh, uh to my knowledge at least up mm-hmm. a, a few months ago he hasn't sold any shares since he founded the company so it's not and he has money from when he sold red swoosh uh so though, yeah. uh yeah i mean he's not rich he's still he, he lives in like a townhouse i mean well he's not quote-unquote rich rich in that in the sense that he's like buying jets and yachts and stuff but um Anyway, like I don't think he's I, I don't know. I'm I think it would just be some like sort of really bad crime that would have to take him out, but there's no proof that he's ever done that and, and What about his you know. his top executives? Do you feel like one of them is going to go? Yeah. I mean, I do. I don't I I still don't think Emil is going to be fired. Like there's not um other than the situation that the information reported on in in South Korea where, if you recall, you know, he and Emil went to an escort bar and, and then mm-hmm. Emil called Travis's ex-girlfriend later on and kind of intimated that she should be quiet about the whole thing. Like, Yeah, that's why I call him the senior vice president of bad judgment. <laughs> um, yeah. And then he, the year before, had, uh, oh, yeah, had the, said some really awful things about uh, 
journalist Sarah Lacey, mm-hmm. which was just ridiculous and yeah, you know just stupid. So stupidity, uh, ex- ex- amazing amount of stupidity. So we'll see what happens there. All right, yeah. last question. Some tweeted questions from longtime listener Alex Hardy at, hey, at Alex. Can't Hardy Wait. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> uh, how can we separate smoke from fire, re-impact on Uber's ability to hire top talent and raise money from VC sources? Mm. And what percent of those issues are unique to Uber versus pervasive in tech but con- confirmation bias because Uber is under the Microsoft mm. Why don't we start with that first one? That's I think a good Uber's question. The, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really Uber's not the quintessence of everything's problems. bad. I think Uber has yeah. got all the bad in one place, yeah. and it's it's at other yeah. companies. But what do you think, Mike? Yeah, no, I think, and that's why it's, I mean, in, one reason why it's uh, a particular focus is just because, look, if you, if you have the bad behavior of Silicon Valley encapsulated in this one company, like, of course, you're going to use that as the, the lens in, and then you can sort of step back and be like, well, this is been celebrated for a very long time and after Susan Fowler's uh, blog post came out a lot of women were like yeah it, like uh, this is what it takes to wake y'all up like we've been saying this shit forever right so I don't think it's confirmation bias because they're under the microscope I think it's just sort of like okay this is like this is all going on here and it's a test case that can sort of like pull back the curtain on many other instances and and, and I hope that I honestly hope that um, this serves to be mm-hmm. a, a sort of force that gets people to look mm-hmm. into other companies and perhaps, you know, a moment of self-reflection by some companies on what they need to do to take stock of how their culture, especially early on. All right. And the last one of how can we separate smoke from fire, uh, the ability to hire top mm-hmm. talent. There is a lot of attrition going on totally. at Uber. Um, raising money, they have a lot of money. But go. what, what do you yeah. think about that? How do they deal with that? Because I think that's another major issue that we have neither of us has written a lot about. Yeah, I agree. I, so... One really interesting thing I found when I was talking to folks is like this employees call it the Uber tax, right? Of, or the cost of working there. And so imagine you are at a cocktail party around San Francisco or something and folks are saying, oh, where do you work? Where do you work? And one of them says, I work at Uber. And at this point, there's just like a stigma around her. You have to explain yourself or say, you know, I do this or that, or like you're dubbed an asshole in the media. And so I think that has taken a toll on folks. And, and in those situations, folks sort of hunker down, either do one of two things. Either they get at, get the hell out of there, which many people have done, as you said, or they, you know, sort of uh, hunker down and, and do this sort of foxhole camaraderie with the other people inside of the company and... and and defend themselves at all costs. And a lot of folks have really drunk this sort of Kool-Aid and aren't aren't very open to hearing any sort of criticism. A lot of employees started like attacking me on Twitter after some of these stories have come out, which is probably really stupid of them to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you have like a sort of two mentalities there, the super loyalists or the folks who are aghast and want to get out. Or there's the, there's another one, which is people who think they can still affect change from within, which is a number of people and I think there are a lot of folks who still believe they're good there are many good people inside who can sort of get that to change uh, I just don't know well that know. was kind of Rachel Whetstone but then she's gone right right, right. Or, Joe, Joe, or Jeff Jones or others right and then they're gone and the money I thing I just think that yeah. like in my oh, most cynical VCs. view VCs just want a return on their money right and so you look at the business and uh and look at the health of the business. And if you believe that Uber spending will one day be in control and this will be a profitable company at some point in the future, then the Amazon, you're not, the Amazon right. scenario. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. Everyone sort of like likes to quote 
Well, Be- Bezos did this for a long time, and he was able to sort of he can turn a profit when he wants. So don't worry about it. So I don't know. Yeah. I still I think the VCs are on their side at this point. Still, yeah, yeah, they're on any anyone's side they can make money on. There's <laughs> yeah. not enough money in the world, Mike. You know what I mean? Like they're not rich, quite rich enough, right. even though they're ridiculously wealthy. All right, last question for me: A Ooh. year from now, Uber. Hmm. Oh man, that's a good question. Well, you can write a story on it, perhaps in New York that's Times a great, essay. That's a great. I would love to do more essays. Maybe they can let me. Maybe I'll curse yeah. one day in the paper, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or use some euphemism for shit or something. Yeah. Oh, good shit! Uh, I yeah, said right, shit, shit. I know, I know. I'm breaking loose. Um, if you say goddamn, I'll be through. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it's funny. I'm hesitant to make any grand pronouncements just because I thought they would have gone public like partway through the year by now and yeah. and now they seem to have no um interest in going and still Well, going how about this? I'll make it easier for you. Can you go public with this CEO? Oh man, that's a great question too. Like he's got to clean up his act. If he can clean up his act, yes. And the so other well, thing like was, a baby and a and a dog and I a mean, wife. Yeah. What, what's clean up his act? <laughs> right. I don't know, find God or something like that. I mean, just prove that he's changed. And again, uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe just not as crazy. He's very convincing when he's on the road is the other thing. Like he's raised mm-hmm. a lot of this money with he and Emil are excellent pitchmen and mm-hmm. and have raised billions of dollars together. So I could totally see them doing a road show uh, together. You know, it's just more, um, uh, I think, a perception issue among retail investors, among like consumers and and, and the media and the and yeah and and us, uh, you know, and like being able to sort of see a sort of change. One so. thing one should point out is he's not a young person. Like he's young, right. but not that he's in, in his forties. Right. So it's very different. Like people think, right. oh, you know, Evan Spiegel can change. He was twenty three. Now he's right. twenty seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or Mark Zuckerberg. And Mark, and Mark Zuckerberg like has up. changed a lot. At least in I don't know about personally, but in, certainly in the way that he sort of communicates things. Yeah. Yep. Totally grown up. Press. And of course, he's had a fantastic COO to help steer him and his company. Yes. Yep. Grown right. up, but he's but young. He's young, right? And Travis he, is not. Yeah. So, was he going to grow up at fifty? That's the really good big question. Do right? people change? I don't know. Are people capable? No, of he wouldn't be the first man to do that. Well, we'll see. We'll see, won't we? Anyway, <laughs> Mike, it was a great story. Uh, are you doing follow-ups? And I hope we see oh, some follow-ups. Oh yeah, they can't get enough of this stuff. I got. I need you going. to find out what, uh, whether Apple and they work together. That was a good question. Your editor should have asked you that. that I wanted to question. find that out. Find find out if right. they had tried yeah. to work with Apple because Apple should have worked with them. But they didn't ask one mm. or the other. All right, I'll go do it. I'm All right, go get on. on it. Get on. I'm still assigning <laughs> you stories. That's a really yeah. good story. Anyway, and also, I mean, maybe. if Find out if this is a problem with the Android phones, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the other question. And I have to say, Mike, when we put out on the Twitterverse that you were going to be joining us for the very first time on Too Embarrassed to Ask, people were really excited. And um, <laughs> we started soli- like soliciting questions. People were like, is he going to talk about Radiohead? Is he going to talk about his dog, <laughs> oh Bruna? M- oh. Walt Mossberg, our favorite oh. guy, uh, asked if you were going to be talking about Charmin. Uh, no. So no. maybe no. at some point we'll have to have you back on to talk just about toilet paper. Just, well, just, no, um, just about Mike Isaac. We'll have a whole show about what's it like to be Mike. Myself. What's Radio it like to be, yeah. What's it like to be everyone's favorite tech reporter and Charmin Bear? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Enough with that now. Enough. He's going to get a big head. Yeah. Um, and he actually has a physically big head already. <laughs> yeah, so, a larger you know, head. <laughs> a larger head than most. <laughs> anyway, um, 
This has been an, a very great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Mike, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now you have to sit and listen to the end part now. Yes. Okay, sit thank quietly, you, please. All right, I'll and if quiet. you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did, be sure to tweet at Mike incessantly um, your favorite gifts. But really, uh, be sure to subscribe to our show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And Farhad, you can't leave a review. We have you blocked. Anyway, but seriously, subscribe. <laughs> if you do, you'll be the first to listen to the new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. And if you're not on iTunes, uh, you can also subscribe, which I guess is now called Apple Podcasts, but you can mm-hmm. also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or just go to the website. Uh, go to you know, recode.net slash podcast and you can find them all there. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka, who is Mike's Really, his mentor. Oh I my god, he's my means. bro for life slash Aww. mentor slash yeah. brother. Don't tell him. Uh, yeah, once you podcast and subscribe, you kind Mike. of have his voice in your head around like yeah. headlines and ah. stuff. Oh my god, um, I still <laughs> yeah. PTSD uh, from Peter. You know what? Uh, PTSD. He's dumb. Do this headline. He's already texted um, me six but, uh, obnoxious <laughs> texts over the course of this podcast. So <laughs> I ne- I don't get rid of Peter Kafka ever. Oh, I miss it. I miss it. Okay. All right, keep going. The Verge also has some, I have to plug The Verge here, they also have some great podcasts. We have some great podcasts for your listening pleasure. Walt Mossberg and Eli Patel host Control Walt Delete every week. And then we have The Vergecast, which is our flagship show. And Walt's only a few more episodes. You will be leaving in June, I think. So listen as mm-hmm. much as you can. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to us at Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. You know, something just occurred to me. Maybe, maybe Walt's going to become Uber COO. Maybe oh that's why God. he's leaving. Oh my God. Can you imagine him and Travis together? That. That's a reality show. <laughs> Walt's a real leaker, though. Walt's a leaker. <laughs> That's uh, good Carrie, for me and not good for you, Mike. There now. I know, that would be uh, <laughs> But thank you, everybody, for listening. Oh, and thank you also to Digital Media, the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and Chris Basil, our editor. And thank you especially to Eric Johnson, our producer, who's here with me right now and um, is, has been dealing with my cat, like sniffing all over his laptop and cat phone. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've all been too embarrassed to ask. So send us your questions and tune in then. And Mike, you can curse one more time. Go ahead, before you go back to the New York Times. God <laughs> Damn, that was a good show. <laughs> Thank you, my guys. <laughs> Listen to the fucking podcast. <laughs> Listen to the fucking podcast. All right, then. You're welcome, Dean Baquette. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs>